0: I'm broke and broken. How can I move forward? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. You know, during the holidays here, I've, we've been doing some other things. Joanna and I have been traveling. I'm a little behind on questions that have come in, and wow, we've got some challenging ones today, but that's the kind we like here, where it makes us think, makes us dig deep. If things were easy, we'd never change. It's in the challenges. We see new opportunities to move forward. Well, here's some of the questions we've got today. If the company website says no calls, what should I do? Dan, are you familiar with Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies? Yeah, we'll talk about some of the hot personality profiles going around out there. Dan, do you think I could do a compilation of stories about the Amish? Well, people know my background. Yeah, I've got some insight on that. We'll have fun with talking about that. And then this one, I'm broke and broken. How does one find work that best aligns with their God-given skills with a short timetable. And then we got some business things. How can we get more sales of our dog collars from our online store? Well, here's our quotation for today. We're going to spend some time talking about this, how we look inward, how we understand ourselves. So this is a familiar one comes from William Shakespeare. You remember that guy, this above all, to thine own self be true and it must follow as the night the day. Thou canst not then be false to any man. Now we've got some free resources. Again, this is one of those where you're going to want to have a pen and pencil, pe- paper handy. Got some free resources, 40 ways to make money as a musician. Got that as a free resource for you today. And, and then our, our, our other resource that I really want to draw attention to is This 48 days.com slash ready. Now that is a short quiz where you can take that. If you are thinking about being a coach, now I know being a coach is popular and golly, we love talking to people about being coaches, You know, we are bringing people into our coaching mastery program right here at the beginning of the year. It seems to be a lot of people, you know, want to step up to the plate. They want to redirect. They want to up their game and what they're doing. And our coaching mastery program is a place where we help people position themselves to go on and be coaches. But that's a quiz you can take. Do you have what it takes to become a coach? Again, just go to 48days.com slash ready. Now, I want to talk about that just a second I had a lady yesterday I talked to. She put in an application a few days ago. We did some research on her. We vet people uh, pretty thoroughly when they want to be in the coaching mastery program. Well, she is a great candidate. She's a nurse. She's director of a dialysis clinic currently, but she already has seven clients and she has a course where she's moving into health and fitness coaching. She is an Excellent candidate because she knows she's been encouraging people for a long, long time. She spends a lot of time you know, really coaching and helping people along, but she's never been able to really frame that as a business or to make money doing that in in, in any significant way. She's done a lot of things, just testing. You know how it is when you're unsure yourself about the quality or the value of what you're doing. It's easy to just say that you're testing or you're going to have a beta group. So you're going to let people go through it free. What that really says is you aren't very confident about the value of it. Well, we're going to help her position what she already has, seeing what she already has in place. We, I talked to her at length, and we decided she's a wonderful candidate. Now, that's not true for everybody. I mean, just because people are putting in an application doesn't mean they can come in. There are a lot of people that we say, well, you know, why don't you start with this? And we have other resources to get started with. But if somebody really is a candidate, here's another story. And I, I told this new lady about this previous gal who came through our coaching program. And when she first approached me about it, I said, No, I don't think you're ready. And we, I gave her some things to do. She went out and did those with excellence, came back about a year later. And I said, Oh my gosh, come on into our coaching program. Now, at the time, I won't give her name because uh, I'm going to share a couple of details here. She's very open about this, but anyway, at the time she was an attorney making about $75,000 a year. And so at the beginning of 2017, She was concerned about, you know, leaving the security of her job, uh, being a single gal. And I said, hey, don't leave your job. Just spend 15 hours a week. You hear us talk about that on 15 hours a week on your coaching business on the side. She started doing that at the beginning of 2017. We helped frame, you know, those four areas of how you use your time wisely with 15 hours to build a business. She did that. So beginning, starting in January 2017, till October, the 1st of October, she had generated $100,000 in her side business, that of coaching. By the end of the year, it was 127000 The next year, 2018, rolled into that. She finally gave... She reduced her days of working from five days down to three days for about 90 days and then saw that her coaching business was just exploding. So she quit her job as an attorney and went fully into coaching. That was 2018. She did some amazing things, started a course, you know, an online group and had a live event, those kind of things. And then last year continued that in last year, 2019, she surpassed $500,000. Now that's a lot of money. But And I don't want to make it seem like that's a walk in a park to do that, but it's an example of somebody who was doing well as a professional, as a trained professional, but she saw this opportunity, saw that she had some potential there. We encouraged her, helped her shape how that was going to go, and she went on to just extraordinary kind of success. Now, that being said, so if, if you go there, if you check out that quiz, 48days.com slash ready. It'll position you, but it'll put you on our radar. Now you can go to, you can also go to, you know, 48days.com slash coaching mastery. And there's some more resources there for you as well. I'll tell you more about that program. well, (laughs) there's always good news out there. I love these stories that come in. That's good news. I want to tell you about a couple of those. Well, actually, some of them are just from listeners like you who have sent in their own good stories. But here's one that I just pulled off that was interesting. After this couple was mocked for their wedding proposal at KFC, thousands of people rallied to offer dream wedding and gifts. So here's the deal. There's a doting husband. He proposed to his wife in her favorite restaurant. Well, social media users from all over the world gushed over the South African couple's sweet story, but not every internet comment was enthusiastic. A few people posted snide remarks about the man's financial status and his decision to propose inside of a KFC. A KFC, of course, being the new name of what used to be called Kentucky Fried Chicken. So not a fancy place, obviously, but he did a proposal there. Well, because of the negative comments, thousands of individual people and companies rallied together to organize the couple's dream wedding. So when this guy, his name is Mackenzie, asked the staffers at KFC for help orchestrating the proposal, they were surprised but happy to help. So when the couple collected their order from the counter, the girl opened the KFC bag and was stunned to find a wedding ring sitting on top of the food. Well, a random restaurant customer filmed that moment, put it on, you know, put it up on Twitter, Facebook, and a lot of people viewed it. Well, it racked up more than 4 million views and some people were not real kind about it. Now, what do you think about that? So we proposed it to KFC because it happens to be her favorite restaurant So they were going to tie the knot, they, they did, they tied the knot on New Year's Eve, but they had a whole lot of people who wanted to get involved. So there were people who donated free spa treatments, wedding jewelry, flowers, gifts, furniture for their home, a number of airlines and car companies even offered free transportation for their honeymoon. I mean, that's pretty cool. I like the way that ended up. But here's the real question. What does that mean that he proposed in a KFC? Oh, and does that mean that he is poor and stupid? What if he's just frugal? Now here, I did a quick search. I had a conversation in our Monday Mentor call just this week in the Eagles community about basic financial decisions. And one of the things that ruins young couples is wedding expenses. And it ruins parents' trying to do something outlandish for their kids as well the average cost of getting married in the US today in 2019 brand new report newlywed report from wedding wire the average cost of getting married is $38,700 now, i don't know about you but i think that's ludicrous $38,700 wow well, I'll tell you what, just as a quick wrap up here, I'm going to tell you about a wedding that happened very simply. The guy proposed at an old dead tree on a country road, knelt down and asked the girl to marry him, uh, didn't even have a ring at the time. And the wedding that they had used the resources where they had a combined $200. The photographer fee was $76. $76. that wedding. The wedding cake was donated by the groom's mother. They held it at a little church with a reception in the basement, but the entire budget for the wedding was less than $200. Now that guy's name was Dan Miller. His wife is Joanne Miller. And that wedding took place 52 years ago. That was a pretty good investment, I'd say. But I, you know, when, when people... Use the resources they have and use them wisely. Now, what if this dude who proposed in the KFC would have uh, gotten a credit card and he proposed at you know, Stony River, Chris Steakhouse instead? Is that going to somehow speak more highly of him or the chances of their wedding surviving? No, not at all. Hey, don't get caught up in this garbage about you got to spend that kind of money whether it's a furniture, house, car, wedding, whatever it is, work with what you've got and make it an incredible experience. Oh, well, here's another good story. This comes from Dave, who's a regular listener of the podcast. He says, I've been catching up on podcast. I'm working on a master's degree in creative ministry. Oh, um, well, he talks about a book that I have. I'll deal with that in a separate response, but he says, I've had a kind of an interesting journey. I spent the majority of my life wanting to be a professional artist, worked in a variety of design jobs, none of which was terribly fulfilling. Then one day I felt a call to ministry. For quite a few years, I worked as a bivocational pastor while doing design work for a living. And then he goes on, other things happen. Um, One day I got a call from a district minister asking if I would consider serving as an interim pastor. I wasn't sure that I wanted to do that, but it was short-term during my slower speaking season, so I decided to give it a shot. Long story short, I found my fit. Today I serve as a pastor of a church and use my art skills in a variety of applications to build up the church. I'm not rich, but I'm comfortable and life is good my spare time, I write books, do workshops, teach painting classes, blog, speak, and more. I feel that for the first time in my life, I am only limited by my creativity, and the sky is the limit. My desire is to help churches embrace creativity and helping people to find and use their gifts to glorify God and do great things in our world. I'm really enjoying the inspiration I get from your podcast, and I'm applying what I'm learning from you to fill in a few of the blanks in what I do God bless you for all you do, Dave. Well, thanks for your note, Dave. That's exciting. I checked out your website. I love the things you're doing, the art that you're creating. Golly, other people can go there. It's A-M-O-K-A-R-T-S, A-M-O-K-A-R-T-S.com. Well, you can check it out. You know, there's a lot of people that are using their creative skills that God has given them to to do ministry. I mean, Scott Stearman, personal friend who did athena the bronze eagle that we have outside in our property here and you've heard me talk about him before but you know he does i mean you can y'all put a link in the show notes there's youtube where he was in a church he does sunday morning presentations where he talks and while he talks he sculpts a bust of jesus i mean it's amazing to watch it come together that quickly there are other guys out there who do like uh you know in three minutes do a a painting, and all of a sudden you realize it's Jesus, or then they flip it upside down, and it is. I mean, there's things like that. I mean, I love the kind of things that are being done out there. Now, Scott Scott Stearman, as an example, is doing a lot of major sculpt, sculpture works. That's what he does, and he, the, the pieces he does are just stellar. Here's what I didn't know that he told me. A lot of states, a lot of cities now have laws whereby you have to invest a percentage of your construction cost in art that other people will enjoy. So if somebody is doing a $10 million building, they are required to, if, if you have to spend 1% of the overall budget, that'd be, oh, well, 10000000 million, that'd be $10,000 on art. They have to spend that. So it's a requirement. So Scott's getting a lot of opportunities to do sculptures outside of buildings because it's required. It's not just an option to have something nice. It's required to have art. So you might want to check that out if you're artistic and um, recognize that most cities have those kind of requirements now. You may be able to add your skills in there. Well, here's another kind of an artsy thing I want to share, and then one more as well as a setup for next week, and I'll tell you why. But here's a note from James Devine, who, again, a longtime listener, says, uh, Dan, recently you had a musician on who was having trouble making money. Yeah, we have musicians on every week who are having trouble trouble making money. Hear from lots of them. James says, I have now been in the music field for 32 years. Through your books and podcasts, I've learned a lot. I wrote an e-book several years ago that I think the guy would find helpful. I'm attaching a free copy. If you could share it with him, that would be awesome. Well, it is 40 Ways to Make Money as a Musician by James Devine. And I'm sure James wouldn't, be opposed to this. I'm just going to go ahead and attach it in a show notes. Frankly, I don't remember who he's referring to. We have so many questions from musicians about making money rather than me going back and trying to figure out which one he's matching that to. I'm just going to go ahead and post it for all of you out there who would like to know how to make money from your music. 40 ways to make money as a musician. So you'll find that in the show notes today. You know, also the other night uh, I was at dinner with Chad Jeffers and you've heard me talk about Chad. He's Wade guitarist with Carrie Underwood. You see him on tour with her and on late night shows and all that. Well, he's got a course, very inexpensive, but it's, it's Backstage Notes. Backstagenotes.com. You go there and you'll find his little course on how to make it in the music industry. You know, how do you go from just being a good guitar player to being on stage like that, having the kind of opportunities that he's had? All right. Now, th- this is a note from Manissa. Now, it's clear from the, the way the sentences are construction, constructed here. She's probably not an native of the United States, but uh, that, that's perfectly fine. I'll, I'll connect with her to see where she is from. And this is a setup. I'm going to spend some more time and unpack this next week. But it kind of comes off the questions just asked here. People using their creative art you know, in ministry and ways to make money. How do you do that? Here, I'm Manessa a young girl who has always dreamed to become an artist because of her passion for art, music, dance, literature, and so on, and her gifts. Also, now I'm going to kind of paraphrase some of this. I have struggled with a lot of doubts and fear about God's character. Now here she puts in parentheses, I think God is a tyrant who may just want to command us rather than understand our state of mind. I've been reading some text on your site, and I felt glad to find out that both of us have the same mindset on purpose in life, that we should work hard for our dreams, and that God will not be mad if we don't choose godly career in ministries, or if we are ambitious. My question is more about glory to self versus glory to God. As someone who wants a secular career in art, I feel held back by the thought that I'm working to get my name out there, to build a fan base for my advantage, to develop strategies for my business. If I wanted to do religious art, I would be more at peace, knowing that my art is for God's fame and not mine. But even though I know that God is the master of everything, so... You know, I give him glory. I still struggle when it comes time to create opportunities for myself. I feel like God would not support my entertainment art business just because his name is not obviously praised, and I feel like working to build my brand is selfish, self-gory. I feel really frustrated, and even after reading different types of opinion on that, I still feel held back. Thank you just letting me share that with you. I hope you can answer. Tell me what you think about that self-gory thing. Oh my gosh, golly, that is a great setup. And I, what do you guys think? What do you think about this? You know, is God upset if you have a landscaping business where you just make beautiful lawns and water features and stamped sidewalk, stamped concrete sidewalks and gazebos? Is he upset? Because you're not doing something more godly. I mean what, what about a what about a cardiologist? What about a cardiolo- someone a, a heart doctor? Is God upset because that person is not doing something more godly? What about this idea of just secular work? Is there a distinction between godly and secular work? or is it more mindset. Well, I don't want to go too far in it because I want to i that's going to be the setup for next week's podcast. Is that right there? The the balance between self-glory and God glory. We're going to help Manisa. You send me your thoughts, I'll incorporate those and we're going to unpack this thing. How do you honor God with secular work? All right. Golly, can't wait. Well, Joyce says, What if the company website says no phone calls, please, on their employment section? I've been working on the steps to find more substantial work, and a company website has made it clear that they don't want calls. This is stated at the end of, of the only listing. I could take the perspective that they really are referring to calls about that specific position and call anyway, since it would not pertain to that position. Nonetheless, making the call feels a bit disrespectful or as though I can't follow simple instructions. I welcome your thoughts. All right, Joy, here's the deal. (laughs) Most any company is going to have on their website, no calls please. It helps them just not be inundated with hundreds and hundreds of calls. Now let's take a scenario. Let's say that you are a stellar candidate to help them with their social media marketing. And you walk in the door and you talk to somebody and you engage them in a conversation. You know, what's your vision for where your company's going? You know, do you have a clear plan for how to accomplish that? You engage them in conversation. They realize you are very, very talented, and an expert in that arena, are they going to back up and say, oh, no, wait a minute. You didn't follow the rule, that sign on the door that said no soliciting, no calls. No, we're, we're going to reject you after all. We're going to take somebody, even if they're less qualified than you, because they followed the rules and you didn't. Oh, no, 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 no. That that just isn't going to be the case. I mean, you, you've got to be bold in true confidence about what value you bring and then hold your head high and go do that. I, I, I love those. So I, I used to do a lot of selling where I would just go to businesses and just walk in. Well, obviously there were a lot of those that said no solicitation involved, you know, no, no solicitation allowed, you know, lots of them like that. One time I had a guy just explode in my face. Just an absolute jerk. It was a car dealership. And I walked in. Now, now, think about this. Think about the setup here. Again, it's a car dealership. I walked in, asked for the manager, and said I wanted, uh, and gave a proposal for what I was doing. It was a local church. Where we were putting together a little telephone address book, and I was selling ad space on the front and back inside covers for that. Very respectable kind of project, Boom! would give them promotion, and the guy exploded in anger in front of salespeople in the showroom and the whole thing, because I had walked in and violated that no solicitation. I said, I'm sorry, sir. You know, it certainly didn't mean to offend you. I walked out, walked out in the parking lot and I called him on the phone. I said, let me just ask you this. If you had a salesperson, one of your salespeople who was selling cars and they walked into a building and it had a sign like that, but they knew they had a product that could help the owner. Would you want them to just turn around and walk away? Or would you want them to ignore the sign they saw? I engaged him in conversation. I went back in and sold him a $1,200 ad, one of the largest ad spots that I had available. I mean, you, you if you just obey the rules, Joy, you're going to find yourself with very minimum opportunities this doesn't mean being rude or obnoxious, but it means being bold and confident so that you can move forward in the opportunities that you want. All right, now Kevin asked, now he left me a phone message, but he just asked if I was familiar with Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies. Yep, I am. I'm familiar with Gretchen's four tendencies. They are upholder, questionnaire, obliger, rebel. All right. He says it's been very helpful for his family. Now, I love just exposing you guys to new profiles like that that are out there. He said that's been very helpful in his family. I'm delighted about that. Yeah, I've I've taken that along with lots lots of other things. I mean, we recommend the DISC profile where we have the categories dominance, influencing, steadiness, compliance. I mean, we think that gives you a really good insight into personal family relationships, work relationships, what you're a candidate to do in work. A lot of issues like that. We find it to be the best tool that we know of. So there's that, that course, you can get that at 48days.com, the DISC profile. I've also taken the Myers-Briggs. That's the old... Kind of an old-timey one that's been around for years and years and years, and you hear terms like INTJ, ENFP, and so on. So, you know, yes, I've taken that. Sally Hogshead has the Fascination Index. It's a different way to look at your behavior. I really like that. Marcus Buckingham, Strength Finders. I mean, we use that, and I welcome that when I'm working with people. Last year, I had on as a guest Ruth Sukup, who has... A book, you know, do it scared, but she has a fear assessment that you can take to recognize how, what kind of fear is holding you back. There's the culture index, which I've taken, the four tendencies, Gretchen Rubin. Last week, I had as a guest on this podcast, Tanisha Jackson Warner, talking about her new book, The Big Stretch. She has a dreamer profile assessment. I love that. I hope a lot of you have taken that. I mean, if you haven't taken that, i give you, again, the the link to that. It's just thebigstretchbook.com. Just go there. It's a free profile, and it'll help you identify your dreamer profile. Mine is Make It Happen Dreamer. And, And some of the characteristics described as a Make It Happen Dreamer, you either have a hard time working for others, or you have never worked for another person in your life. Well, that's me. I've never had a job. You often feel confined by traditional jobs because you feel creatively, creatively stifled by rules and routines. On the other hand, when given the time, space, and flexibility to create your dreams on your own terms, you soar what well, goes on. But guy, I hope you checked out where you fall on that. We ought to put together a list. I mean, we talk to our team about putting together a list of all these profiles. Now, here's the deal. We, I embrace all of them. Because I think anything you can do to understand yourself a little bit more is helpful. That's why we recommend all of those. It's not like here's one and this is the one that's going to definitively define who you are. You know what I don't even have on here is Enneagram, which there's a lot of talk about now is Enneagram. And we love that one as well. So whatever it is that's helpful, we, we... embrace that we encourage that and there are certainly a lot more but uh, check out uh, the dream profile assessment if you haven't yet certainly do that and we um, I certainly hope that you have done the disc because we really do consider, I mean, I, I don't coach anybody without having done the disc. We don't admit like the lady I talked about who we, we just accepted into our coaching mastery program. First thing we did before we accepted her was have her do the disc. So I could look at that and discuss it with her. We've been communicating even this morning on that, but the disc. So anyway, yes. Thanks Kevin for the reminder on Gretchen's four tendencies. And certainly falls in line with a lot of other things we can do to understand ourselves. Again, remember that Shakespeare quotation, that thine own self be true. Then it follows as the night of the day thou canst not be false to any other man. Well, Claudia says, this is interesting. I love this. Hope you're doing well, Claudia. Somebody I've known for years and years and years. Uh, thanks for your continuing inspiration and attending Right to the Bank and Innovate. I have produced several profitable nonfiction books in recent years. I've had a fascination with the Amish for some time. Live 15 minutes from a Derr Dutchman restaurant. Oh my goodness, my mouth is watering. Uh, and a small Amish community. I know you're from that culture. It seems there's a broad fascination with their lifestyle. About a month ago, I produced a variety puzzle book with an Amish theme. It was done with any, easily with some inexpensive software I purchased. I placed an ad for the puzzle book in the budget newsletter. I've only sold four so far, but I'm going to do another ad and reduce the cost a few dollars and test it. I think my price of $20, including shipping, was too high for them. I'd like your advice on my next possible venture concerning the Amish. My idea is to run an ad soliciting personal stories from budget readers. Budget is, my goodness, I think it goes back to Adam and Eve, budget is a a little weekly newspaper that's produced in the Amish culture. Like, keeping in mind, the Amish don't have radio or TVs, so the budget is their way of communicating, knowing what's going on in the community. Been around big time up in the Ohio, Holmes County area. So, so, so Claudia says, sort of like a chicken soup for the soul style book, stories about their childhood, holidays overcoming adversity, life advice, humor, stories, et cetera. I would then self-publish it. And uh, the authors of the chosen stories would get a free copy of the book and a reduced price on additional copies. I'd advertise the book in the budget, maybe other places, ask the authors to spread the word about the book for possible sale in their local shops, et cetera. I'm thinking if there is a great response in stores, I could do more than one volume or one specifically about childhood stories, Christmas stories, et cetera. I remember you saying Kent Julian did something like this with a book he did. Yeah, Kent did a book where he asked other youth pastors to submit a chapter. So he had like 12 other pastors, youth pastors submit a chapter. He put the book together. And then those pastors obviously were the best sales team for the book. So they would purchase a book from him. He'd make money in everyone they bought. They could use them at speaking engagements, resell them. It was a great project. We can't put that together. I'd love to know, Claudia says, I'd love to know your thoughts about doing this with the Amish and Mennonite community. Would they submit stories? Would they buy the finished book? Any suggestions on putting together a book like this? How do I gain their trust as an outsider? I personally don't know anyone Amish. Um, Only know by doing research and reading the many reader-submitted articles in the budget. Now, okay, so let me give you a couple pointers on this, Claudia. You know, you've got, th- there are certainly lots of interest in how the Amish live. I mean, we see, you know, take off TV shows at this point and, you know, they take a little bit of truth and then distort it to make an interesting TV show. But anyway, that's a topic for another day. Yeah, there's a lot of interest in, in the Amish lifestyle, Holly, I get a calendar every year that's photos from the Amish community. My sister-in-law gets that for me every year, and I have it on a wall here in the kitchen and a sanctuary. But yeah, there's a lot of interest around that. Let me give you a couple of examples. And you've touched on a couple of things that are going to be issues with you. You know, the Amish don't even like to have their pictures taken. So to really just open up about their lifestyle to somebody who's English, who's an outsider, yeah, that's not very common you're going to have to do something to build trust in that community or have somebody else gather the stories for you who's already in that culture but you can't expect just to walk in and say hey tell me the interesting things about your life now they're going to be more closed than most people that you would just you know approach on a street somewhere so so you're going to have to do something now here's a couple examples eric wesner he's he's polish like his name sounds He did a book, and and what I would encourage you to do is get a couple of these books where I'm going to give you titles on those so you understand how these authors did exactly what you're talking about. Eric Wesner wrote a book, Success Made Simple, an inside look at why Amish businesses thrive. He has stories in there where he has lengthy interviews with over 50 Amish business owners, They outlined the role of relationships in business, the importance of the big picture, um, taking in long-term goals, the welfare of others, personal integrity, and there's all kinds of business principles that are unpacked. Eric earned their trust because for four summers, he was a Southwest salesman. Now, you know Southwest, the uh, company that sells books and Bibles, and you go door to door. I mean, kids that do that end up being great salespeople and often go on to illustrious careers. But anyway, that's what he did for four summers. He had lots of contact with people where he was in their homes, selling them Bibles and other inspirational materials, which they are great customers for, incidentally, because they don't have TV and outside influences. So the books and or Bibles and inspirational books, they do buy. So he built up lots of relationships. Then he went back. And did this. Now, there's another book by Laurie Craker, who again is from the Amish background Money Secrets of the Amish Finding True Abundance and Simplicity, Sharing and Saving. Again, you can find it easily on Amazon Money Secrets of the Amish. Laurie Craker. And then there's one that uh, I've used a lot for research Amish Enterprise From Plows to Profits. That's written by Donald Crable, who grew up Amish. So you're right in wondering if you have a unique challenge, and you do. Being an outsider, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some kind of connection, relationship building, before you're going to have access to those stories. Now, I could do it, and, and personally, I've got, I've got a book proposal in with a publisher right now titled Sealed with a Handshake. And it's about the idea that the Amish Mennonites don't require contracts. If you're going to buy a piece of property, if you shake hands on it, it's a done deal. That That's more binding than any piece of paper you're ever going to find. And I was going to unpack that whole phenomenon, the idea that in our culture, we've lost basic trust, integrity, honesty, and we depend on finding loopholes legally to avoid doing what we promised we were going to do. Well, anyway, so sealed with a handshake, but I, I do have a lot of connections in the Amish community. I could go up into Holmes County. I know lots of people there, lots of business people, and I could walk in and do that, but uh, I'm not sure that it's going to be worth the time. Now you also ask, you know, are they going to be big buyers? Nah, not particularly. I mean, they aren't going to be surprised by the stories that happen in, in their closed community. So your market is going to be outside people who are just curious about that. And there's a lot of books that have, you know, approached that topic. But again, look at those. Part of doing a book proposal is to do what we call just a competitive analysis. And that means what are what books are already out there that have addressed this? What is your book going to add that's not already currently available? So do your competitive analysis, move forward from there and figure out how you're going to build those trusted relationships to give you the inside scoop. All right. This is a, here comes a, this was a very, very long, you know, it's funny what we we have a a form. If you go to the, the podcast site, there is a way you can submit a question. It limits you to 60 words. Well, most of you are smart enough to get around that. And I give out readily here. You can just Send your questions in to askdan at 48days.com. So most of you uh, get around that. You're not limited to 60 words. This particular question was 1,280 words. So it's a very lengthy question, um, very, a lot of pain points in here, certainly not diminishing the length of your questions, Don, but this comes from Don. And he says, Dan, I appreciate your podcast. I feel like I'm connecting with someone who understands your invitation to email has been tempting for some time, but most likely you receive dozens of requests for advice. Yes, yes, I do. Um, I'm in a very difficult place right now. Need someone to walk out with me. And it goes through some of the things that have happened. A lot of physical challenges for Don and his wife, um, spiritual challenges, trying to figure all of this out. You know, how do I find order and focus with all the things that are pressing? He's got some real, 63 years old, and again, challenges health-wise, but he talks about all his career, all his working career at times when he was not just taking care of his wife, and he's had breaks in his working career because of times of just taking care of his wife, certainly an honorable thing to do, but in those times when he was working, he's always been a salesperson, all right? So... Part of his questions, how does one find work that best aligns with God-given skills with a short timetable? So here is, here's my response for you, Don. Again, without going into a lot of the detail that you have here, but you're in a tough spot. You're the one that said, I'm broke and broken. So broke and broken, implying no money and really depleted spiritually, emotionally, psychologically as well. Well, I understand that. So, the bad news is you've got so many challenges right now. You definitely do need a coach. The good news is you can find lots of coaching services near you. Now you, I mean, we, we offer, I mean, we connect people with coaches every day. I mean, I coach and we have, um, we've got a stable full of trained, certified 48 days coaches that we match people with for any situation, any kind of price point. I mean, we've got resources. We can do that. However, i also want you to know there are so many free services out there. This is not a matter of having money. This is a matter of having the right mindset and just taking right action. Now I detect from your phone number that you gave, you're right here in Nashville. Right here in Nashville, we are rich with resources to help you. We've got the Nashville Career Advancement Center. They do assessments. They have job boards. They have training. They have people you can meet with, all provided free through the state. Nashville Career Center, Career Advancement Center. So you can check that out. They've got services any day of the week. Walk in there and do that. The Brentwood United Methodist Church in Brentwood, just on the south side of Nashville, has a career transition support group. They meet every Monday night from 6.30 to 9 o'clock. They've been doing that for about 35 years. They've been written up in the New York Times. It's a very, very model program to help people through these kind of transitions. You can walk in there, meet with somebody, get help instantly. There are other I mean, I would suspect 80% of the churches in the Nashville area have some kind of a career transition program, career network, where they can help you. In in the in Franklin, Franklin, down here where I live, Williamson County, we have workforce essentials. Again, just a service to people. There are so many services like that. Please don't feel you're trapped or locked out because of your situation. But you do have to take the initiative. Nobody's gonna come looking for you. You got to take the initiative, but you can change your situation really, really quickly. Now, here's another bad news, good news. The bad news is you're out of a job today. The good news is you're a salesman. The salesman is the, sales is the ultimate leveler. I mean, there's nothing that can work for you quicker than understanding sales, I mean, you can have a, somebody with an eighth grade education or an MBA and starting today from scratch, neither has anything in six months they can be at exactly the same level of success because sales will do that. Your ability to sell will open doors with any company in order to give you an opportunity to have unlimited, no ceiling income instantly. Sales will do that. So be confident and bold in your ability to sell. And you get out here and there are going to be companies that are going to want you on their team really, really quickly. All right. Let me go here. Uh, Okay. One more, one more. All right. I love this one. This comes from Gina. says, Dan, I started listening to your podcast almost 10 years ago, started a business as a result. God, Congratulations. I love hearing that lately. I've been so caught up in working in the business that I haven't spent Much time working on the business. I've recently started listening to your podcast again, realized how much I've missed hearing your wisdom. Here's my situation. We are a small manufacturer of dog collars and leashes. Our current business model has four sales channels, a small storefront, an online store, wholesale, craft fair events. Of the four, the website has the lowest sales, but it's also the one that I'm most interested in increasing I'd love to know your suggestions for getting the website some attention. All right. So I went to your website. And again, your website is La Villa Dog Works. La Villa Dog Works. We'll have some other people go there and help give us some ideas as well. But I went there, looked at it. Your website is very factual. It's very cerebral. Here's the product. Here's the price. Do you want it? We'll ship it to you but you're dealing with something that is really more of an emotional kind of purchase than a logical one. I mean, it's, it's, we go back to that old adage. You can make a living providing things that people need. You can get rich providing things people want. Fancy dog collars is something people want. It's not something people need. You can get a very basic one, but focus on the, the want the emotional, make it fun. liven up your site, you know, have a talking dog as a mascot or something like that, or have kids talking about how much fun it was to come in and get a big collar that was big enough for their dog. I mean, that's one of your areas, especially big dogs. Now here's the deal. You're competing with a whole lot of other vendors out there. I put in a quick search for dog collars. I had 57,700,000 results. There is a lot of competition for dog you have to look for what is that unique advantage you have What is it about your store, your name, your collars, your dogs, your kids something what makes you unique? What is going to stand out so people remember you, think about you and you're the go-to place to come when they need a dog collar. and they're the place they're going to be telling you're the place they're going to be telling their friends about as well. You've got to have something that makes it more unique. Rather than just, rather than a commodity, you want this to be a wow experience. Now, there's a lot of ways to do that. Again, you, you got to decide what that's going to be. You know, what is it that's going to be that, that wow factor? Yes, yesterday, I watched a, a little video. It was a, a kid who experienced a lot of rejection, frankly, is what he, did. he Experienced a lot of rejection. He decided he was going to get over his fear of rejection. So he put himself on a path to experience 100 days of rejection. So the first day he walked up to a stranger and said, will you give me $100? The guy says, well, no. All right. Well, it didn't kill him. He realized, okay, a rejection. You know, a couple of days later, he went into a hamburger place. He ate his hamburger and he went up and said, I'd like a hamburger refill. And the guy was like, what are you talking about? We don't do that. And he says, well, why don't you? And he started engaging people in why questions. And over 100 days, he realized, rejection really wasn't a bad thing and it opened up some new opportunities that he hadn't been able to see before experiment i'm just saying with your dog experiment do things that are going to be remarkable things that are going to go be on youtube and people are going to share that little video where he well he went into a a donut place and said i want a donut that replicates the olympic symbol The gal says, what are you talking about? He's, well, he drew it out on a little napkin. It would essentially be like five donuts interlocked together. And he knew they'd say, well, that's crazy. We don't do that. The gal says, well, give me a few minutes. About 15 minutes later, she walked over with a perfectly duplicated Olympic symbol that she had done out of donuts. And one of his surprises was a lot of people wanted to help him get what he thought was ridiculous and where he would just get rejection. Well, anyway... Lots of ideas out there. Get creative about what you're doing, about how you can draw attention to what you're doing. Well, hey, this is always a delight. Spend this time unpacking these questions. Next week, we're going to come back with them, that challenge between self-glory and God-glory. How do you thrive and not dishonor God? Wow, we're going to have fun unpacking that one as a lead-in for next week. Again, Dan Meller here. Thanks for checking us out Thanks for being part of this community where we are, in fact, confident beyond a shadow of a doubt, we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.